And hi, welcome. This is Jane with uh, Bible Talk with Jane and Shannon. And today we're going to talk about idols then and now. And so, Shannon, what you got for us? Well, idols are something that are talked about a lot in the Old Testament. Even uh, let's just start with Exodus twenty three through six. These from the uh, the Ten Commandments. God started off with it. It's obviously a problem He knew we would have because He started with that. Uh, three through six says, "You shall have no other gods before Me." You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven or above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. That is about as black and white, cut and dried as it can possibly be. And God starts off the Ten Commandments, You shall have no other gods before me. Mm. I really, I like the part where he says, For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. This is one thing that that all of the Ten Commandments were given as a way for us to live. The Mosaic Law was given as a way for to teach humans how to live in a way that would be acceptable to God, and was good for us. God knows that if we run after false idols, we're going to run the wrong direction, and we're going to be doing things that are harmful for ourselves. So not only is he doing this uh, because he is, he is God, but also because he knows this is what we need, and he needed to spell it out for us, and he did right there in the Old Testament. You know what, I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, we hear idol, and um, it's really not a word that we use so much, like we can't say so-and-so is a... Oh, unless it, we're talking about... American idol. American idol, idol yeah. or, or that kind of thing, but... It's, it's a, idol is a false deity, a false god, or an image. But I, I did a little research about... Uh, the idols, the false gods that some of them were worshiping in the ancient Israelite times and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it says, uh, this is from the metmuseum.org and the god, gods and goddesses of Canaan said there were 234 deities recorded in the ancient text. So they had a lot of them. And Baal, which is a big one in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. he is a warrior and storm god. And a lot of their gods dealt with um, geographical features and weather. So it's the stuff that they could see. And so a lot of times they, and here, I'll just read a little bit of this. And it said, the universe was believed to be ruled in tandem by the older god El and a main warrior god Baal, surrounded by a council of deities and a lower level of attendant gods. And then also it says the divine council included the older generations of the god El and his wife, Atherat, known in the Bible as Asherah. We right. see that Asherah a lot. Poles, yep, yep, yep. And then war goddesses. There were two goddesses named Anit and Astarte, and also Baal. They were all war gods and goddesses. And then Mot was the god of death and burning, pestilence. So, um. Yeah, there was, there was a plethora of gods that were from all these pagan cultures there. And similar to today, God's people came into a land, were living, were intent to be living for God, but were coming into a land where idolatry was common. And God warned them several times to stay away from the idols that they have around them. Um, Even to the point where they were 
in, they were intended to remove the people in the land of Canaan when they came and they didn't. And one of the problems they had was the household idols and the household gods that they would bring in, little ones that they would put in their house. Uh, we even know that Solomon had problems with that. Oh, he right. Had all, all so many wives. wives. Yeah. And a lot of them brought the idols and he tolerated that. And none of that uh, is acceptable to God whatsoever. Well, here, and I also, this is from um, a K.L. Knoll from Blackwell Publishing and Brandon University. And it's talking about um, the gods again. And it says, um, the political system of kings and noblemen getting taxes from commoners, also the common religion of ancient worlds. It was all based on this, gods and goddesses. Mm -hmm. And divine patronage, you had to give offerings to the gods to get that divine divine protection so you had to do something for the gods and hope you can appease them so they will protect your right and as a history teacher uh we go into world history we talk all the time about greek mythology and roman mythology and it's interesting in all those mythologies the gods are fickle yeah they're constantly needing somebody to build temples and show them uh, love through sacrifice and all this kind of stuff and even then, they might just turn against you, and it was all just kind of thrown up in the air. But you know, Jonah two eight says, "Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them." Why do you think they were so drawn to these fake idols? I mean, to us, someone says, "Oh, I'm going to worship Baal." It sounds stupid. Well, we have to remember that Israel has been a long time in captivity in Egypt, and Egypt is a land of idols. They're oh yeah, they got tons the of idols. Yeah. Um, even claiming deity for the Pharaoh himself. But um, they were surrounded by these all the time. And to an extent, as a human, there is uh, a certain amount of safety in something solid. True. We like things to be solid. If I can see it, if I can touch it, I know it's real sort of thing. And the concept of... God's invisibility to us where we cannot physically see him is something that I'm sure at that time for a lot of the pagan religions was no impossible. Sense. Didn't make any sense. But the one exception was with Paul. Right. Oh, and I wanted to read that. Go but wait. That. Well, okay. But I wanted to say also, also when you have to do these things for the gods, it gives you a little safety. Like, okay, if I do this, then the God will do that. Sure. And so it's almost a it is religious. The same way a drowning man would say, "God, if you get me out of this, right, I'll, I'll do, this do something for you." For right. Me, which okay. I think always makes God laugh a little bit. Okay, this is from Acts seventeen, and seventeen verse sixteen. I'll start now. While Paul was waiting for them, and these are his uh, uh, Silas and Timothy. Okay, so he's waiting for them at Athens. His spirit was being provoked within him as he was beholding the city full of idols. They had tons of idols. So he was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. And also some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers were conversing with him. And some were saying, what would this idle babbler wish to say? Others, he seems to be a proclaimer of strange deities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, may we know what this new teaching is which you are proclaiming? For you're bringing some strange things to our ears. We want to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now, all the Athenians and the strangers visiting there used to spend their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. Can I read something from this Bible study? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so this is um, 
I found this very interesting. Uh, she's, uh, this is from a Bible study called The Unexplainable Church by Erica Wiggenhorn. She's a Bible teacher. Now it says, we still see these two philosophies, and she's talking about the Epicurean and the Stoic philosophies. So she says, we still see these two philosophies embraced today, do we not? The Epicureans relentlessly pursued pleasure, thinking little of eternal consequences or divine displeasure. Life is meant to be enjoyed, and all this religious stuff interferes. In contrast, the Stoic resembles the modern-day humanist. Pleasure is not the highest pursuit, rather it is virtue, or as we often see today, knowledge or industriousness. A life that contributes to the greater good is the goal. I thought that was good. We see... In uh, Paul's travels, he ran into places where uh, the people were upset with him because by turning away from the idols, it was going to affect their livelihood because they made idols for a living. So you can't tell us we can't have these things because then what will we do with ourselves? Um, The creation of idols is uh, big business. It was then and it is now. Oh, it's definitely now. The creation of idols is big business. So... Uh, when we look at all these things, we, we have to remember, I mean, I think right now, first thing we need to do is kind of identify. What, what are our idols? What, well, no, from our perspective, what is the definition of an idol? And I think the most basic definition of an idol that we have, and these are idols of our heart. These are not necessarily idols we have sitting in our house. Although some people may have something sitting around. but My grandma always had this smiling Buddha. Yeah. And that's that's a common one. It's a trinket. It's something you see. She didn't. In, in, she didn't worship him, right? In Oriental restaurants and all that kind of stuff. And it's just one of those things that um, uh, we serve a living God, and so having having a dead uh, representation of a dead man doesn't do any anybody any good. But my opinion, and this is this is where I'm coming from, mm-hmm. the an idol is simply anything that we put in front of God, in a priority of our lives. If there's anything in our life that goes ahead of God, that is an idol and something that we need to strip away. We don't talk about them as idols, but it's just, it is anything anything at all that we can put in. It can be your own family. It can be money. It can be uh, sports. It can be um, fame. celebrities. It can be fame. Anything that you put ahead of God is your idol. I think you could also say it's what you live for. So if something you're obsessed with something and it's what you're doing, like it could could, could be a work goal or it could be you're trying to make tons of money or. Yes, the, I, I agree with that. But I think it's the insidious part of it is that it's easy for us to slip into it. And every every human being struggles with it. Um, Calvin had a really good quote on it, I thought. Uh you mean John Calvin? John Calvin. Okay, I'm not a Calvinist. No, I'm not a Calvinist either, but he okay. had a very good quote about it. He said, the human, the human mind is a factory for idols. We are constantly looking for something. And whether that something that's going to be better, something that's going to make it easier, something, whatever it is, whatever the thing is that we are, go, we are trying to look for to fill a void other than God mm. is an idol. You know, I have this other little aside. Mm-hmm. Back in the ancient time, again, we didn't talk about it yet, but Baal, they also had a child sacrifice 
they passed through, they, they, in the Bible it says they would pass their children through the fire, meaning they burn them to death. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think we in our society, I wonder, are we sacrificing our own children or our own families for things that we are idolizing? I think we can get that way. Well, I think we can get that way. I think we can also make the family itself an idol. If well, we, that's true. If we are more concerned about um, chasing after things, you know, uh, dragging the kids to every possible activity to keep them constantly busy all the time, and keep us constantly busy all the time, and then keeping God out of all of that, I think that can be an idol too. Um, that's that's why idols are so seductive, is it? Because it could be anything. Yeah, I think Absolutely a big one is anything. self. We live for self. Sure. A lot of times people, they do things to make them feel good, and it's they're building themselves up. In reality, though, when you're doing it yourself, you're actually making yourself smaller. Only through Jesus can we become our true selves. That That's the thing about worshiping Jesus or living for him. He will make us bigger as ourselves because we're not focused on ourselves, we're focused on Him, so we can become what God created us to be. But when we're focused on something else, it makes us smaller right. within. Yep. Um, when I was thinking about these things and reading different articles about it and reading Bible passages about it, for whatever reason, um, Jack Palance in the movie City Slickers came to mind. Which one's Jack Palance? Jack Palance was the old crusty cowboy oh okay what did he say he said he would hold his finger up and he said that one thing what's that one thing and he was talking about you know the greatest there was supposed to be a hidden treasure or something he said the treasure is that one thing it's that one thing that is above everything else whatever it is whatever that could be anything it can be anything and um Paul mentioned talked about idols quite a bit. It was it was an issue for uh, in the New Testament church. It was an issue that Paul himself dealt with. Um, these kind of things crop up constantly in our in our modern life. This isn't just we're not just talking about the the wooden or silver or gold idol someone puts there. Um, one of the first things we have to do to deal with this is we have to be troubled by them. Mm. Um, it's got to bother us. You talked about Acts 17. Paul was troubled because these people had so many idols, and there was just so much confusion, so much everything, and they were missing missing the fact that there is a living God who is active. Why would you go to anything that is not? Yeah, nothing else is. We have a living. We serve a, a risen Savior. We have a living God who wants what's best for us. Why would we seek? something inanimate that does not have our best interest in mind when we already have God. Mm-hmm. And yet, it's just as easy for a Christian to go away from from God and towards these things as it is for anyone else. I think sometimes, well, I mean, as a female, we always want to fix something. So instead of waiting on God and letting Him figure it out and waiting for His timing, we get in there and think we have to do it and so we put ourselves up like okay it's all up to me i'm in control or i've got to control this situation and when we think we have to control a situation we just took god off the throne and put ourselves on it well and we're going back to what 
you know, as we were talking about the in the ancient world, the the idols and the idolatry there is, if I sacrifice to it, it'll be okay. Yeah. That puts the human back in control. Yeah. If I do this, then it's okay. If I don't do this, then they're not going to be happy with me. But it's a, I can control this myself if I do the right sacrifices, if I show the right homage to whatever it is, if I bow down to the right thing. Um, Nebuchadnezzar built a statue to, to himself. Yeah. Of himself that everybody had to bow down to in his whole country. Um, in 1 Corinthians ten fourteen, Paul says, Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. And in Colossians, he says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Mm. That kind of goes back to that Calvin thing, said that man, in a sense, of, in, in himself is an idle factory. Yeah. Your earthly nature, and it continues to say sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. All of these things are part of our, our base nature. Our, our, if you, you know, if humans turned around and went wild right now. I'll never forget the imagery that we saw out of Hurricane Katrina when it hit and how bad it got and how people turned on each other. Yeah. Once a little bit of modern society broke down, how they just, they they reverted back to a kind of a dog-eat-dog world. And that is that human condition where we think self-preservation is the most important thing. When that's not it. I want to read this because something okay. came. Okay, this is from Ecclesiastes 5.10. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves abundance with its income. This too is vanity. Any of these idols, they won't satisfy. They'll may, maybe like satisfy for just a tiny little bit and then the effect will be gone and you'll want more of it. And that's not how it is with Jesus he will satisfy, and you will want more of him. But it's not a, a, it's not a deficit. It's just like he gets bigger and bigger within you. If that makes sense, I don't know if that makes sense. In Galatians, Paul again talks, and he says the acts of the flesh are obvious. So again, he's talking about our human nature: sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And all those behaviors, they make you feel lousy afterwards, but if all not them, during them. Well, they can. Um, if, you, if, the, if the Holy Spirit's got his hand on you, they can. Well, that's For true. For others, they feel power. Well, that's true. When, when there's jealousy and gossip and even, you know, the little over-the-fence gossip with the neighbor sort of thing. That's something that you are trying to empower yourself by putting someone else down. Right. It's a jealousy thing. Um, people that are ambitious to the point where they're selfish about it and they're doing it for the wrong reasons, those kind of things. Um, but don't you think when they get alone that if they well, take any self-reflection, they go... That's not worth it. Well, possibly. But I think I think in the end it all comes back and bites them in the end. And I think eventually there will come a time when they will realize that, um, like Ecclesiastes said, all is nothingness. Everything I've done is worthless. Um, but he also says in Ecclesiastes there's nothing new under the sun. And this has been going on forever. Right. Um, this, is, this is part of that human condition going back to Adam and Eve in the garden when... 
This, when Satan came to them and said, you'll be just like him. Mm-hmm. You'll be just like him. You can make yourself your own idol. This is all you got to do. Oh, that's right. Right off the just bat. Just like God. Just like God. So right off the bat, humans have been that way. And that was the cause of original sin, was that desire to elevate ourselves above God. It has never really changed. Idolatry is the, is the words that we use the most coming out of the Bible that in the English translations that we have. And it sounds like an outdated term today, but it really isn't. We have the same issues today. We have the same problems today because we are the same human creatures today that we have always been. Those things haven't changed. So one of the, some of the things I think in modern world that we have a problem with that causes us um, to fall to these idolatrous actions, these, these sins of the heart, is that, and we may not even realize at the time, but if you look at it from a distance, and all of us struggle with this, I struggle with it myself. If we, are, if we are putting something before God, we're saying, okay, God is boring. Mm, yeah. Why am I going to church? I could be listening to somebody on television and, and going I've camping or just skiing or something like that. that. Um, or thinking that God's impotent. He can't do anything, so I'm mm-hmm. going to do it myself. Like you said, maybe it's God's timing that's causing the issue. We want we don't want to wait for God's timing, but it may also be simply the fact that we don't get what we want. Sometimes mm. God doesn't give you what you want. He gives you what you need. Yeah. And that desire to have what you want might say, you know, God, God just can't do this, so I'll have to do it myself. We can also think that God's not paying attention. That God's yeah. inattentive and he's not noticing, so what does it matter if I am... Fill in the blank, something that you slide off to the side. Um, and I think for some Christians, and it can also be that it's a little embarrassing. They're embarrassed by God. We shouldn't so be that don't way. So they don't want to put God first in their lives, or at least show that God's first in their lives, because, you know, it's harder to fit in. It'd be easier to fit in if I was going with everybody else. If I was skipping church to go to a, a football party, I love football. I love watching football. And normally, if there's a game on on Sunday, I'm going to miss most of the first half because by the time we get back from church, it's oh, it's going on. And that just happens. There's nothing I can do about it. And I'm not going to skip church for football. But it's easy to fall into those little traps. And those little traps can lead you in the wrong direction. And as Paul said, and as God said, um, that idolatry holds a great big punishment behind it yeah, it's not so if we go and say it's just a little thing a jealous god says no no it's not and it, it will cause suffering and it will cause suffering for you and generations and your family people around you i mean even if it's just secret idolatry like you have a secret pleasure that's not doesn't look like it's hurting anybody it is it's hurting it's hurting the person that has that, and it's also hurting their family because you're not totally authentic. Let me do one more verse. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, this is just a good reminder from Jesus, Matthew uh, 6, 19 and, tw- 19 and 20. It says, um, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust mm. destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and or steal, and then twenty-one says, "For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also." 
yeah, that that kind of leads me a little bit. We're talking about then and now, the now um, in Christianity right now. What what are the issues? We have a lot of problems within the Christian church right now with idols. Fame. Fame is one of them. Um, uh, Christian leaders have a challenge. As pastors, we have a challenge. Things like bigger is better. Yeah. Um, the bigger worship band, the bigger event I put on, the bigger building I have, all of those things. Um, we I don't try like to, to throw do it. any individuals under yeah. the bus, but your best life now. And then that people... kind of sounds like self-interest. Yeah. And I, I don't think we should be. When we're trying to talk to someone about Christ and we're talking about God, we shouldn't offer it as, you know what, you'll have it better if. Yeah, because you might not. Well, no, God, Jesus said flat out, this is not easy. He never promised us a rose garden. This is going to be a tough thing being a Christian. It's worth it because time is short and eternity in heaven is forever. And because by serving God, we will be performing what we are intended to be here on earth and you will find more peace in that than you ever will trying to just live till you die sort of thing um another huge issue that we have in the church and this is this is something i read um a man named john pavlovitz actually uh, uh published this in on, online and relevant magazine in uh, march of 2016 he talked about the idol of fear That we have in the Christian church. People that are so upset. Now, I'm not saying that there shouldn't be discernment, and I'm not saying that we should not, you know, be as wise as serpents and and as gentle as doves. That is necessary. But if every single message a, a leader gives, if every single discussion a person has, if every single point that they make as a Christian is the fact that somebody's out to get them, Oh, that's not good. No. And basically what you're saying is God can't can't protect himself, so I have to do it for him. Yeah, that's not good. God never asked us to do that. Mm -mm. We are to uphold the faith. We are to share. Jesus, is in in the Great Commission, he did not say, pick up your sword and defend the faith and chop the head off everybody who doesn't agree with me. He said, make disciples. And you cannot force someone into discipleship. So make followers, share what you know, share what you have gained. So when we spend our, 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 our thoughts and our time and our minds and our uh, worship time worried about how terrible everything is for a Christian, we're missing the point because God's got all that. He's got it all. We don't have any peace if we don't turn it over to him. So if we spend all our time doing that, and uh, Jane and I have both had several people that we've gone to church with, that we've been friends with, Christians that um, would definitely identify themselves as believers, and I think they are, but they have fallen to this idolatry where they have an individual doctrine. And if you're not going this way, then you're doing it wrong. An individual one piece that they picked up from somewhere. And there are a lot of neo-Christian pastors out there that are sending out newsletters and magazines and all the end-time stuff where they 
They are trying to scare people into following them. And if you just peel that surface a little bit, it's pretty easy to see, wait a minute. That's not from God. Yeah. Because God never, Jesus never used fear to get someone's attention. Jesus never used fear. He used love. He used attention to them, not attention to himself. How many times have we had somebody come up and say, well, I looked at all the numbers in the Bible and this is when the world's going to end and all these kind of things are going to happen and create panic and, and havoc. And of course, when that doesn't happen, then of course, people that thought that was from God start saying, well, God didn't come through. It was never from God. Right. Well, I think we should wrap up because we're almost at 30 minutes. So, uh, don't have idols. No. And the first thing we have to do, if there was, if we're going to put this in steps, the first thing is listen to the Spirit. If you are listening to the Spirit, you will get conviction that something is right or wrong. Yeah, and just and go back. And if it is wrong, step away from it. Call it what it is. See it for what it is. Step away. Whether it's money Houses, cars, jobs, family, friends. Um, you know, we, we have a multi-billion dollar idol making industry in, this uni- in the United States. Uh, sports figures, movie stars, uh, singers, entertainers. All those things that fill our mind with stuff that doesn't have anything to do with God. If it becomes a priority and you see yourself falling away from God because of one of those... That's a big sign. Yeah, just step away. But I do want to say, don't condemn yourself. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's Romans 8.1. You just stop and turn back to Jesus. That's what repentance means. You just stop and turn back. And that's it. You don't have to make a big show of it. Just if you notice that you have an idol, oh, I'm human. Oh, shoot. Okay, let's go back to Jesus, and he'll help you. Yeah, anytime we go back, we ask for forgiveness, we can be restored. Yeah. And, and that, that, is, that is the grace that comes from God. The problem is if you don't recognize it and you don't confess your sin and you don't change, then you're bringing it down on yourself. So we should, should we close in prayer? Yeah, let's close in prayer. Father God, I thank you so much for the guidance that you give us through your word. Thank you for your son who was sent for our salvation to reunite us with you. And in spite of the the original sin and the sin that is in this world, the sin is in each of us. Each of us are sinners and we are only saved by grace, Lord. And that all comes 100% from you. And Father, as we close on this session, when we're talking about idolatry, Lord, I just, I pray that you just open everyone's eyes to the clarity that we can see through your eyes our own behaviors, and our own lives, so we can look at things around us through your eyes and see where those idols are present. Father, strengthen us, convict us. Convict us if we need to, to, to uh, in love, go to someone and say, hey, I think you have a problem with this. I think this is, a, this is an issue. But Father, just please, I just pray that you stand by us and strengthen us as we go forward. As we go forward into this, into the world here, Lord, just that we can be in the world but not of it, Lord. And that all comes from us focusing on you. Oh, Lord, we praise you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Come back again next week. Bye-bye.